One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hi, my name's Holly, and I'm from London, and you're listening to Dame Baptiste Questions Everything. My question is. With the cost of living getting higher, looking to the future, should people be more wary on how many children they have? Just saying. Okay, here comes the show. I remember, question everything. Hello everybody and welcome to this episode of Dame Baptiste Questions Everything, a podcast where myself, comedian, writer and occasional actor Dame Baptiste, my producer friend Howard Cohen, aka The Hizzer. Hello! And a mix of very special guests pose the questions that need to be asked. And we're talking everything from... We are talking everything from Holly, from London's question, with the cost of living getting higher, looking to the future, should people be more wary on how many children they have? Fuck me, Holly. Um, all right, Dane, go on. I'm all not right. going to say anything here, I, mate, because I've got two kids. I, I see where Holly's coming from. Holly, I would say don't try to contextualise the uh, human spirit or a uh, biological... Uh, drive with a world of capitalism that we're living in now don't let eugenics creep into your mind no one has a right to say when anybody else is able to give birth uh, nature always needs to find a way and the issue isn't necessarily how many children people are having it's just uh, about the appropriation of resources i think um and i think you know one of the ways that people are able to try and ensure their survival at times of adversity is to make sure they have more people with their dna continuing to try and thrive and survive so there you go holly i hope that helps and um yeah suffice to say on this podcast we ask and answer all the questions don't we Dane? absolutely no question is too big too small too pre or postnatal and if you do like the show please rate and review it on apple Podcasts or follow us on spotify or wherever you get your podcast from and you'll never miss an episode of our very special questions being asked and answered by our very special guests with that being said on today's show is a number one best-selling author award-winning stand-up presenter and mental health campaigner his edinburgh show normal abnormal sensitively used humor to explore his anorexic past received critical acclaim sold out and went on a uk tour which then led to the show receiving an award by the uk's eating disorder charity at the houses of parliament he's also hosted a ted talk on the topic of eating disorders in 2015 and has gone on to write a very successful and informative book and has appeared on programs such as mock the week taskmaster bbc breakfast Lorraine, to name a few, and host a show on the Talk Radio Breakfast Show, as well as writing for an array of national newspapers and magazines as a columnist. He's a patron of many charities that advocate for men and their mental health, as well as being a media ambassador for Mind and Beat. But one of the main things is that he is probably top three of one of the nicest people I've oh, met in comedy. Top three. Gotta give him top <laughs> wow. three. I know him to be a real horrible bastard. I know him as Chor Chor Bear, but I like to introduce Mr. Dave Chorner. <laughs> Thank you to the podcast. That was weird. That's like someone reading out your CV, and you're sitting there. You know what I mean? It was yeah. like yeah. I feel very yeah. lovely. It's intro. a good CV, and and I can't take full credit for it. Uh, our, our researcher and producer Saffron put together such an Great excellent work. bio, yeah. but. I guess one of the ethoses of Question Everything is that we like to say that we are a digital florist and we like to read out your achievements and your CV while you're here as opposed to doing it after the fact. We would hate to be doing so in a form of obituary. Uh, yeah, so let's celebrate time, you while you're here. Healthy scepticism. What are you being so nice for? What are you being so nice to for? <laughs> oh, What's mate, your fucking problem? The under my floorboards. So <laughs> no idea, yeah, mate. Cool. Those bodies are probably well fed with... Uh, <laughs> On the, on the sunbeds, <laughs> this is a row, a row of sunbeds. I imagine if you actually knew where someone had buried the bodies, and that was your power over them. This isn't my question. Yeah, <laughs> fuck me, that would be a powerful bit of life, wouldn't it? Where the bodies, bodies so like, are buried. So like, if Dane only did this podcast and kept me around just because I knew where he, the body he killed of that person, you know, that would be what an amazing bit of life. That be such an oh, you'd be a really feel alive. But wouldn't, wouldn't that like, wouldn't that run out? How many times you could use that? What? Like, I feel like there's only so many times, and you'd be like, look, you're not going to do it. Yeah, because then that points the finger at you because you knew. But I think I think the problem is that eventually it's a conspiracy now, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But I think at some point Dave Dane kills me. 
Right. That's what probably happens. See, and, that, and that's normally how it goes anyway, which yeah, is yeah. why if someone puts you in that situation, mm. it's best to either just leave or go to your authorities because after a while it becomes a conspiracy. I'd suggest um, we've jumped in at the deep end in this week's episode. I love it. Um, yeah. it's, a good, it's a good test for Dave because I think I want to make it very clear that obviously Dave always comes with a very good aura and positivity mm. and has also come with some delicious chocolates. Um, Maltese are truffles. Yeah. Uh, first of all, if you're listening, uh, Mars Company, well... I'm not going to go yeah. to too much detail, but it is a delightful confectionery that I wasn't even aware it existed and would be happy to promote for the right fee. <laughs> Aside from that, thank you very much for our chocolates, Dave. Not at all. What a it's wonderful a, gift. I'm genuinely really starstruck being on this. Like, no, I, 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 no, I genuinely am. Don't. What come I like, on. So I've always listened to this, and uh. two things I've always wanted to say is one, Howard, yeah. I, I don't know if you've ever seen like the reviews and stuff, but mm. someone's made a really good point that mm. you sound unbelievably <laughs> like Paul Merton. Never been mentioned before. Yeah, never been mentioned <laughs> it, before. It just, yeah, yeah. It never been mentioned before. It's fantastic <laughs> to finally hear it. <laughs> Uh, Mate, people ruin meetings. I'm pitching ideas that my life, my children need the food. <laughs> I earn, and they stop me in the middle of the meeting and go, oh, you don't believe you told you set up Paul Merton. Listen to my ideas. Especially because we know Paul Merton refuses to do this podcast. Yeah, well. Over some politics shit. You know shit. what? I can get him, but it's going to, I have to tell him that I know where the bodies are buried. If you yeah, know I was going mean. to. Yeah. <laughs> Um, the bodies are buried on Radio 4 just a minute yeah, yeah. aren't they Paul yeah, yeah. <laughs> who, um, who definitely listens to this podcast go on what was the other thing you said yours the other one it's yeah. like Dane like your ideas like fall out of your head at such a speed have you ever listened to like someone's voice note on right. whatsapp at one, one and a half speed <laughs> yeah. that's what your speech is like I, 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 I need to I need to get some kind of way of um, what's, what's the, uh, you know the uh, dictator thing yeah or some kind of stenographer do you know what I've got a way for you to do yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll come back then, to you and then uh, what right. what would we call that book? Just the uh, 1.5 speed musings of Dane Baptiste. That'd be great. Dane, Dane Baptiste Do you know what? It's probably time for a question, Dane, as the format of this show Absolutely. that Dave enjoys so much uh, dictates. Absolutely. Well, Dave, as our very esteemed guest and uh, long-time friend, we'd like to invite you to ask the first question. Should we any question you would like, which we'd like to discuss for about a quarter an hour or so. And then my producer friend Howard would like to pose a question not involving conspiracy to murder to you, I think. <laughs> we should discuss for about 15 minutes. And then keeping with tradition, I'd like to pose a question to you for us to discuss. And then we'd love for you to tell our listeners and viewers where they can find out about your good works, past, present and future. How does that sound? That sounds lovely. Yeah, the floor is yours, good sir. So I think the question that I want to pose is why is talk about mental health, like chat and everything about it, usually so boring mm. and i want to i want to explain stimulating why 15 minutes oh, ahead like, guys <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly no but that's exactly the point isn't I'm it that, like i always say this one in four people has mental illness but four and four people have mental health and actually mm. good mental health i think is better than anything else because it's about coping it's about resilience it's about dealing with the world and that's kind of what comedy is yet mm. where as soon as you say mental health people instantly think about mental illness they instantly yeah. think about drab drippy fats and i i think that like actually good mental health should be celebrated more mm. so why don't we talk about good mental health i mean i've got a very clear answer to set us off and right then, and then we can yeah. you know we can all dive in and around but so i'm going to be quite revealing for a second about the fact that um i went to a trip away the other week uh and uh one of the things uh about me is i, I like to exercise i go to the gym in the hotel and i cross train i've got a cross train at home but you know i cross train at the gym and um Different cross trainer, Dane. Nice. You know what I mean? It's like quite, it's like bigger. Yeah, just big, big, heavy duty stuff. Heavy duty. So I was cross training and um, I'm not, I'm just going to be completely honest to tell you what happened. Just I overstretched myself and I hurt one of my bollocks, right? Mm. Um, and a good one? I feel like bollocks are like boobs, yeah. right? There's like, you've got a bigger one and a smaller one. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, Stadler and Waldorf. Yeah. Yeah. Because I didn't know that your groin, as in the groin muscles that you stretch when you might do some sport or whatever exercise, are very connected to, yeah. to your yeah. testicular area. And um, uh, I, I spent the next how many days telling uh, my partner that I thought I had a serious issue. Mm. My hypochondria just went right up because that's an area that doesn't normally have any issues. And uh, I was like, this is, I mean, like I was really, so that's a physical pain, right? And that physical pain is so definite i was like testicular agony will bring i was like yeah yeah. i was like that's the quickest way (laughs) and and you know what it went it went after a few days and i think because mental pain is so kind of um in the air 
that it, when you when you when you compare it to physical pain and what we've all been brought up on, which is, oh, I've hurt my knee. Okay, I'll put a plaster on it. Oh, there's a scab. Well, just don't pick it. All right, it's gone. You know what I mean? Like that's that's it's not physical. It's not a physical manifestation of it. If it was if it was there, if you ever seen uh, the, his dark materials yeah. and you have the little uh, demon character, if you if your if your mental health was contained within one of those things mm-hmm. and it was sitting there going. I'm really actually quite fucked off about uh, what you're eating today. And you know what? I think you need to, we need to talk about it. That would solve everything, but we don't have that. I would like to see that version of the Dark Materials. I really swear <laughs> yeah, he's yeah, yeah. really <laughs> fucked off, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, you know how it's funny? You, you remind me of a, a show I started watching recently uh, called Severance. Right, right, yeah. Which, uh, just not to plot spoil too much, but the idea is about if you are able to compartmentalise and either suppress or remove a trauma or a negative experience from your life how would that affect you in the rest of your day-to-day or like if you maybe work somewhere where you know what you see at work your experience your uh, professional experience may be quite negative they can kind of remove that from your head similar to eternal sunshine and spotless mind if anyone's ever seen that you know where you you could have uh, more negative memories but I, I think them. you've raised a really good point. And my, that, my counter to that is surely more reason that we should be talking about the how rather than the what. Mm, so we always talk yeah. about people's stories and stuff. And actually, I don't think that suicide is the biggest killer of blokes under the age of 45 because they don't think to just talk. Mm. And all mental health campaigns are just talk. And I actually think if people could just talk, they'd sort it out themselves. Yeah. Mm. What we need is things like comedy in order to engage with it yeah. and give people those skills. Mm. So like an analogy I always is like people have always said to me yeah well i get a bit down we all get a bit down i think it's a very relevant thing yeah but the difference between emotions and mental health is a lot like the difference between like weather and climate Mm. so your emotions change two or three times a day like the weather but your mental health is your mental climate and if we started having more analogies and things like that in order to get this kind of metaphysical idea and actually give people those skills Mm. then i think it would be a lot more well i think the analogy that analogy alone is and I think the lack of understanding about that mm. is probably one of the reasons why it becomes very difficult for people to uh, discuss mental health and also discuss it in a positive way anyway. I think people mm. uh, lack that ba- very yeah, very rudimentary understanding because um, I've been asked about, in whether in therapy sessions or by like, uh, you know, genuinely concerned family or, or friends, like how I'm feeling. And I'd be like, I might feel a bit shit. And they're like, are you sure you're okay? And I'm like, well, yeah, and I'm aware because I'm aware that it's a temporary state of being and more of an emotion than it is about me having an acute or chronic uh, mm. issue regarding mental health. Um, and, and I think also having that awareness allows me to process those emotions and move towards being in a, in a more positive state. But I think that uh, in terms of the, the why it becomes so boring to talk about is because myself personally, I feel like in terms of the maybe industry that surrounds um, psychiatry and psychology is one of the factors. And, and I should say more pop psychology because I feel like when people um, are maybe feeling they have a lot more uh, mental contentment, it means that they're not as dependent on externalities, which means it can't be money can't be made from it. So mm. people are less inclined to celebrate that because if you are able to comment and you know talk about having sound body and mind, then there are very few external bodies that can kind of take advantage of that. As opposed to if you are depressed, you can be put on medication. People can recommend activities for you to do or have distractions. Um, I also think as well is that a lot of that is also linked to the fact that we tend to celebrate uh, physical gratification and that's what's a physical gratification, mm-hmm. whether it's like a job or like, you know, sexual or romantic conquest, because again, these depend on externalities, which means other bodies can be involved. So if you have grown a great date on Valentine's Day and it goes well, that's probably going to be celebrated a lot more because more people, there are more benefactors from that, as opposed to I am comfortable being alone on Valentine's Day and i'm okay with that that's people are less likely to celebrate that even though that happens more often or it's less likely to be promoted because very few people are able to benefit from your contentment although in theory or in practice we know that as a social species if you're able to impart to other people how you're able to be of sound body and mind it's probably going to be more beneficial to them so i think that's one of the things that people consider to be a lot more boring. But I really think it's just down to just a lack of uh, language and a lack of uh, dis- of adjectival tools that people have to describe their feelings, um, especially the more positive ones. But I think there's also an element to it that's about acceptance, mate. Mm. I absolutely improved my life, right? And I, I must stress, like, mental health issues crossed my teenage years, 20s, 
found my wife less issues <laughs> since then. Um, but I, I think it was early in the time when I was with her that I started to accept that, you know, even I'd found some kind of happiness, that I would still feel shit at times mm. in my weeks, months. And, and I always used to describe it, I may have referenced this on the podcast before, like an hourglass. Like if you turn the hourglass and it's just empty, uh, that's how I feel when I'm not in a good place. I've got no sand coming down. <laughs> There's nothing moving, you know? Um, and what I've come to realize as I've got older uh, is that I completely accept that feeling. Mm. I totally embrace it. I sometimes, it might be like, I'm at work and in an office and that happens and I have to go. I'm going to go. I might just go out and have a walk for a while and come back and feel better. Mm. Or if I'm at home, I might go and ride my bike and feel miserable for half an hour. <laughs> or I might get a bit of news about work and it makes me really miserable. Stuff like that. You know, you just completely embrace it. And it helps to remember when I'm in that situation, I feel the other way. Mm. I've got loads of times in my life where I feel the other way. So like... Um, I sometimes use this when I'm, you know, wife has, you know, we're looking after the baby at the moment and there's nights where you'd be like, Hey, how was last night? And like, it was great. He slept all the way through. I'd be like, cool. Remember that for the next time that he doesn't, you know, cause you need to know that it can be good, you know? And that's, I think the way I've found of managing my mental health issues is just to kind of go, yeah, it's shit. But I think that's a great point to piggyback off yours. Cause I'm, I'm not saying this is a good idea, but I'm just, amazed in a kind of capitalist society that people haven't started to try and monetize good mental health of like mm. go out to this gig because it's good for your mental health or yeah. like buy this cosmetic because it's good for your mental health it just well, seems- i think part, i think i think the cosmetic part aspect of it is good i, th- I think it's more of the incidences of uh social interaction which are probably mm. discouraged to an extent because i think capitalism and like the monetization of that requires a certain level of individualism in order for it to work because i think like for example having the shared conversation here probably mm. means that we don't have to go to any externalities to have the conversation mm. because that's i mean obviously having backgrounds in comedy stuff as well and having that understanding of time it means we can have that conversation and have laughs in between all of that which eases that conversation and not everybody has that tool necessarily as well, you said couldn't agree more yeah, yeah and i think that's what you say i think that's what you say as well i that, would say uh, there are some uh what might be considered hipster uh organizations or like tre- trendy therapy thing like and, and you know i wouldn't I've actually spoken to this person. We should maybe get her on the pod. Jodie Karras. I don't know if you ever come over. She's on something called The Self Space. It's a very modernized approach. And I think one of the problems you mentioned is, you know, we talked about therapy. That does feel like a very definite set of ideas of how to get help that are very middle class or not for the masses. Well, get this. So my partner, like how we met is because I I did a show about mental health and she did her doctoral thesis in men with eating disorders and the Mm. show is about my eating disorder. But she helped train barbers in Northern Ireland to spot the signs of suicide because wow. they found that like actually when you're and you think about it you're cut, someone's cutting your hair that's when the real conversations come out absolutely and hairdressers have the dirt on everyone yeah, you know what I mean they know they where do. the bodies are buried no, they, they absolutely, absolutely do, do. They absolutely do. Yeah. so I, I think more things like that would be would be great to it, like... it's, 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 it's a really good point and, and you know it's uh, and I think and again just to help the answer is that like you know when we talk about first aid First aid is about being able to make these applications to people that are suffering from any kind of physical ailment. It's unfortunately we don't do the same regard our mental health or the same thing. So there's probably a part where in the same way that we will have like a first aid marshal in any build government building or like in an office and stuff like that. Mm. Maybe someone needs to have a rudimentary understanding, like you said, of Oh, there, there is mental yeah. health first aid training. Oh, that's cool, yeah. So I think I think maybe that needs to be expanded upon just to kind of Absolutely. add to the normalization of but it. I, I tell think you another I think that's it as well. And another think, troubling bit now. Not, and I don't blame anyone for this. Mm-hmm. I don't blame anyone for this. <laughs> <laughs> the lady doth protest too much. Let's go. There are some significant differences between the genders, yeah, that and and the traumas and 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 the constant, consistent traumas faced by women mm-hmm. in a society against them. That mean that when you start talking about the male stuff, you know, it is unfortunate that it does kind of at times pale in pale in, in in comparison to what women have suffered for you know generations you know and and i think and, i think that's been historically true as well and, and it I, and makes I think, it awkward right yeah. oh, of course it does well, i think what's added to the awkwardness of that is because there's been this stunted focus on nurturing the uh 
male psyche to deal with emotional trauma. We're dealing with such a crisis today where there's a lot of things that I think cisgender heterosexual men are experiencing now, which probably aren't as grave as they're making out because if they were able to discuss this uh, and commiserate collectively, it would probably be a, a good process for them. But it's burgeoning now where I feel like the collective consciousness of men processing these new experiences, processing new uh, things like trauma, even being able to uh, discuss them, is happening at a rate where social trends are moving so quickly now. Yeah. Men aren't necessarily able to keep up. And the same way that now, you like, for example, you look at like women's the Super League and women's football and women win winning the World Cup in this country. It's like they've been able to kind of move up. And obviously now, like, you know, more women enter the workforce, more women have been able to um, realize their financial potential as self-employed for a number of different mm. things or for digital things. While that's happening, I think where certain elements of the male psyche have been able to attach themselves positively to things like your occupation or your religious affiliation or political affiliation, because these things are in such a state of flux nowadays, mm. men are finding it very hard existentially to work out what defines who they are. Yes, couldn't agree more. And that's causing a uh, existential crisis, but they've not ever, like, how is it? they've not been taught the tools to work out. So to clueless women it's like well yeah like we, you, you, like to, to go somewhere and feel like you're not safe anywhere mm. for a lot of men is a very hard thing for them to process mm. or to go somewhere and just have people flippantly talk down about your experience or your existence mm. is a lot of things men have never had to experience it's which is why it's hard for not that women don't have empathy because women obviously definitely do have empathy but they're kind of like yeah exactly this is exactly what we've been telling you for years like even the fact of like I was 21 the first time I'd ever heard about a man having an eating disorder Mm. I'd, say, I'd say that's quite good though. which is which is still good but, but good. obviously a woman had to tell me mm. about <laughs> uh, 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 her housemate is a homosexual guy she was living with but again I think a lot of time for eating disorders I think most men thought that was something that at the most it would be maybe members of the LGBT community experiencing it well, well that, also and a terrible thing off the bat just mm. quickly there is if you look at the research so actually uh, until I think it was like the mid 90s was when people started realising because there are some interesting facts like the first uh, first ever diagnosed anorexic was actually a man mm. and people like Lord Byron actually had uh, diagnosable anorexia mm. but it was only until the 90s where people started saying oh blokes blokes can kind of get these too that it's horrible but all the money flooded in because they're like oh if it's it's not just women. If blokes can get it, it must be a real yeah, thing. Yeah. And well, it's exactly. terrible. Well, this, this, yeah. this feeds into my it's question. Whole, whole, right? whole, this whole seatbelt thing, isn't it? Because yeah. Yeah, even now, like seatbelts don't even take into account like women's uh, physiology when it's designed. Yeah. Or, or even when you look at like things like, you can use a laser to fix your eyes, but you still can't, childbirth still isn't done safely. Oh. For me, that's insane. This is how we as continue as a species. Mm. And yet, the level of research that goes into reducing mortality amongst women when they're giving birth versus the fact that now you can put your hair back in if your hair falls out as a guy. You can, you know, you can use, you can, you can fly to the space. We're now looking at people trying to do trips to space. But we're still not working out how to manage the passage from the birth canal yeah. into the world safely. Shows you like the, this, the level of investment that kind of goes into it. So it's, um, yeah, it's crazy. And, you know, I think just leading on from your question to my question, uh, Dave, and your question was great, man. We'll be back after this. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the show. I think we started going down the road of, you know, a big subject for you has been talking about eating disorders. And, and, and my question is, is one that I'm sure you've encountered a number of times, which is, is why can't blokes, why can't men talk about Eating disorders. What, what? 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 You must have gathered a lot of information before, uh, writing a book. Before and... you start, Dave, I, I want to ask how how you felt by uh, 
what has influenced this question in your Yeah, case. well, I'm, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come to it. I'm going to come yeah. to it. I'm just, well, I'm going to want to hear what, what Dave's got to say first. I, th- I think there are a couple of things that like meant that I didn't talk about it. Firstly, I think one of the problems with mental health is that I didn't realise that I got a problem. Mm. So in the same way that like, you know, when your eyes sort of, you'll go for a meal or something and you're like, oh God, I can't read the menu. Or you'll be standing at a train station. It takes mm. quite a while to mm. realise, oh, I need to get my eyes checked out. Mm. I think it was the same with my mental health. But also, and this... I have to be really clear. I have to be really careful with my wording here. I am not promoting, I'm not encouraging, I'm not glorifying eating disorders. But something that doesn't get said is that I selfishly enjoyed the anorexia. Mm -hmm. In the same way that people with substance abuse, I'm not saying that they necessarily enjoy them, but there is probably a very short-term lure that leads those in. It oh, helps of course. Num- it's, 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 even, it's even like almost like you, you treat sometimes a pathological behavior as a reward for you just having yeah. to thrive in the world. It's like, I've gone through a fucking day at work and stuff like that. I can get home and do this. I can get home and smoke something or drink something because I've earned this, mm. you know, because whatever, it's almost like whatever psychological battle I've been able to overcome, I'm now able to reward my body by, you know, exhibiting the most control yeah. I can have over it. So... And yeah, when you're, I get it. it was like a game for me. When I was winning at it, there was no better feeling. Mm. But that was, it's a short term benefit for a longer term detriment. And I didn't see that being a problem. Even when I kind of entered into treatment, I was very actively suicidal. I started writing the notes and stuff because mm. anorexia does have the highest mortality rate of any mental illness. Mm-hmm. And I kind of knew that and I started speeding it up in different ways. But the only reason I engaged with treatment was because it was depression that I hadn't seen coming. Mm. And they, the, a brilliant nurse, again, to try and explain things, she said, look, bottom line, you wouldn't expect your laptop to work if you don't charge it. Why are you expecting your brain to work if you're not feeding it? Mm. It won't give you any of the good feel-good chemicals. And I was like, that is an amazing way of explaining it. So it's, it's that I didn't really have the tools in order to explain emotions like we were talking earlier on. Mm. It is part that I kind of uh, selfishly, horribly sort of enjoyed it. And it's also because everyone talks about taking the anorexia away. No one talks about giving anything back. Right. Everyone always talked negatively about recovery rather than positively. So, like, mm. what, why would I ever do that? Yeah. And and I think that's really keen. You see, because you know, one of the it, is it, it going to be an interesting thing to say now because I, I've I've not ever talked about it, but um, I only recently kind of started to process because someone in my life has been dealing with such issues that I had uh, a long period of what I guess is bulimia. Uh, oh, it is bulimia. I don't know what I say, I guess. It is, it is bulimia. That's almost me trying to hide it by saying, oh, I guess it's bulimia. Um, such a bloke. Like, that's it, and, that, and that's what I think has been so weird. And I look back on it, you know, when, it went on for a number of years in my uh, in my childhood, my teenage years. Uh, you know, and I could try and like, uh, since this last year or so of thinking about it more, started to kind of pick it up again and start to try and go like, well, what? hang on, what? what is this? I don't quite understand what... <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm completely over it, by the way. There's times where I definitely have the reflex to go back to like feel like, oh, I should just do that because it definitely has affected like my feelings about my body, uh, you know, feeling like I'm really overweight when I'm, uh, I'm technically not. Um, uh, I think my religious obsession with exercise has helped solve it as well a little bit. So that's kind of another thing. But um, like all those years of being tears, you know, you obviously, you know, your friends, you all abuse each other, you know, verbally abuse each other. Right. Yeah. And I've definitely got abuse. And I think the, being, that's definitely how, how men normally collectively have therapy. Oh, with each we other. were, we yeah, were brutal. Yeah, and I must yeah. stress all those people I grew up with, I don't blame them at all. They would have no idea. They would have, they would have stopped if they thought they were causing mm. an eating disorder. Um, but like, I, you know, now I realize that, you know, it, it was all tied up. Maybe it was all tied up with family issues. I don't know. You know, there was a number of things that tied up. I kind of really recently kind of thought, God, like I really never spoke to anyone uh, about it. Did uh, you realize it was a problem at the time? I think for me, it was um, a way of coping with inadequacy. And that is definitely a male uh, skewed thing for me. Like it was like, you know, a lot of people were like having more success with women than me as a kid. And I was feeling like, flabby and overweight you know to an extent some of that might have actually been true by the way isn't the kind of interesting element to it it's like i never ended up unwell 
I just mentally would go to the toilet after eating and make myself sick. And that would happen a load of times. It's just really, really unhealthy way to live your life. Uh, particularly for like, I remember special occasions was like a really weird thing. Because you, you'd have more food at a special occasion, right? So you'd have to make yourself sick in the, part, mi- in the middle of, of it. But that's part of the, 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 the like I said, David saying the link is that mm. it's uh, not speaking positively about it, but it's like, you, you'll be more inclined to do that yeah. because you're like, when it's, th- when it's time to purge, the- I'm, I'm in control of when I'm able to purge. Greeks and Romans used to have people to do it for them, right? That's yeah, like, a, yeah. this is a long term. But I, I, I just realised kind of, like I said, in this year, and it's like kind of funny to talk about in a public space. I said to my wife, I was going to do this. And she was like, oh, you should do it. Because, you know, there might be someone else out there who takes something from, from you talking about it. And I was like, well, yeah, because it, it is actually good to confront it and realise, wow, like this wasn't a healthy element of your life. And being a man... Uh, and in that era where, you know, in East London, people were like, well, you we'll stop, just stop doing it. Just stop fucking making yourself sick, mate. What are you making yourself sick for? You know, I, think, I think that was actually a mental health campaign in Australia. <laughs> Australia. <laughs> I, I, was, I was a post inside. I was like, going through depression? Don't. <laughs> Is that genuine? Yeah. He was like, <laughs> feeling bad? Don't. Yeah, yeah. I, I believe, I, I want to say, though, I want to credit, I think it was James Loveridge who, uh, right, who right. made that observation when he was in Australia. What a but, guy, yeah. what a comment. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I also listening and picking up on something, I think that's one of the problems you really hit on there. Firstly, props to you and mm. like fair play, mate. But also, I think a lot of people wait for it to become an extreme thing mm. rather than actually doing something. And I think now we're getting better at things like cancer, whereas mm. back in the day, people used to call it the C word. Mm. And you you wouldn't go to the doctor unless it like had got like really big and it was like something you'd see on embarrassing bodies. And I think it's the same with eating disorders. Mm. People always try and kick it down the the hill of go oh it's not that bad i'm not that thin i'm not doing it that much and mm. actually i think we should sort of see it like a spectrum of what's your relationship with food and someone once explained to me they said you can just as easily drown in a puddle as you can in a lake it's mm. not to do with yeah, numbers on a scale or sizes yeah. it's to do with the impact to you and also i guess it's under the uh, umbrella and, and not to uh you know group it too generically but Body dysmorphia, and mm. I th- and the reason why I say it is because I think one of the problems why eating disorders amongst men are necessarily discussed is because I think there are some uh, aesthetic aspects of body dysmorphia among men which are almost encouraged. Mm. So we don't even look at the problem because, like you know, we'll look at the, prefer- pre- the growth what sort of, of thing. I mean, well, I'm thinking about so the growth think, of protein uh, products, right? Yeah, so, like a, so at the other end mm. of the spectrum, where men like maybe use like you know anabolic steroids and yeah. stuff like that as well. We we can see that uh, you can see early indicators of that. Whether it's uh, like sometimes they get like acne and stuff like that as well, or just being ripped. And because you might look ripped, rather than looking at if that person is observing healthy practices to achieve that. Like I think there was an influencer recently who was like, I can't remember the guy's name, but he's he's especially like a keto diet. Like he eats like raw meat and organs mm. and stuff like that as well. And it transpires that he's on like a cocktail of, of steroids. But to hear him tell it, it was like he was just observing like a paleolithic kind of diet. But I think because he was so muscular, because of his musculature, no mm. one really made the link to think like, no, I'm not sure if that's necessarily healthy. Well, even on this podcast, I was listening. I'm not mm. going to say which one. There was a very famous, very good comedian who said that they were trying to lose weight. And they'd right. done that by taking a photo of themselves they didn't like mm. and <laughs> saving it as their lock screen <laughs> so that they could wow. like inspire. And I just listened to that. and I was like, r- red flags. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Are and, I mean, but, um, and most of us, and I think, again, it's like that tough love or even mm. or you know internalized self-hatred from men is encouraged it's like that's you know you're you're creating a uh a point or a milestone of adversity to triumph over that's seen as the, that's more of the patriarchal it, it, where, think, it's like women are seen as supposed to collectively commiserate and maybe sob mm. together and then work together and, and it's and it's an emotional um journey of healing as they're achieving whereas men it's like your immediate reaction to negative stimuli is to re uh to have resolve your masculinity and overcome it that way rather than even having that point of collectively commiserating that you've suffered the trauma i think that the the thing that it links back to what dave's uh question has is is this feeling that like am i over it at this moment and as opposed to like am i over it forever Mm. like you know that's what i mean about the physical and mental health like you, you get you get your physical thing you get over it you get your mental thing, and I don't think you're ever over it. Mm. This is what I told the person that kind of brought this all to the surface for me to think about in my own life, is that, you know, you're never going to be over it, and the only way you can do is deal with it. And I realised how often I struggle and how, 
loads of elements of my life are dictated by it, which is fucked up. So, for example, I want to go on holiday. In the past, going on holiday and being in a swimming pool, like, I would have loads of issues about that. Like, physically, be, like, really, really self-conscious. I will probably be far less self-conscious uh, as I have a man who's two and I have to stop him from drowning. So that will be prioritise my thoughts. But, you know, it will be uh, a, a thing in my back of my mind. You know, I've never liked having my photo taken. Dane's had a lot of photos taken with me now, and I don't like it. And I realise now the reason is I don't like how I look. And part of it is all linked to this feeling around what I look like and where the bulimia came from. And you ultimately will probably never conquer that. Whereas sometimes you will conquer it and you'll be like, you know what? I feel really great and I didn't have an issue today with it. And that, and that's all that anyone out there, I think, could hope for. Stop trying to cure your thing. I don't know if you feel this way. Like you feel like you're, cure, you're not curing it, right? You'll just overcome it I, I for, th- for a period of time. And the, and the remnants of it will still exist. And you, you'll, get, you'll get little pebbles that will drop, you know? Yeah, I, I always say that, like, how far or near I feel to it. Mm. I once heard someone beautifully describe, they said, I've retired from my eating disorder. It will yeah. always be there kind of calling me back. Yeah, and I thought yeah, that was yeah. quite a nice analogy. But I also think there's something to say as well as like, that will give you things as well. Mm. Of There are things about that acknowledgement of, of how you look, of how you relate to food. And actually that can be used as a positive thing to help your health mm. long term. It's awkward now. I tell you why it's awkward, right? And, do you, you know, yeah, right. Sorry to interrupt. Do you, like I don't I don't feel this is awkward at all. Do you feel this is no, awkward? No, no, no. Me? I'm gonna tell you what is awkward in my life about right. it. Is I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I may share this episode with some people who know me because I feel like I'm kind of like I'm never going to tell them it otherwise. I hey, re- I told I, it to you in a public public I re- podcast. I really, I really, I genuinely hope you do. I will, yeah, I really but like people do. I work with, right? And I, you know, I love it. Yeah, you know, most, literally any of you listening, I think you're all great. I really do get on with people I work with. But like, it's becoming a little bit of a joke with a few people about how I dress, right? Because I dress, as Dane knows, exactly the same way every day, unless I have to put a shirt on, in which case you'll get one of maybe two shirts. And that's it. And I can't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. I've got where I've got to in my career without having to give a fuck. And so I'm never giving a fuck. And yet it is linked to the fact that I don't like how I look and therefore I'm not putting any pride into this. That's why everyone gets so excited when they see me in a suit for a wedding or a fucking whatever it is. They're like, oh, you look amazing. I'm like, uh, I guess, you know. But, see, but, see, but, 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 but it, it's interesting because that sounds like it's almost like, self sabotage isn't the right word to use, but Ooh. it's almost like, uh, it's, it's, it's more of a risk adverse practice, I think. It's like you've built yourself up, so there mm. might be there's, there's that window in which you capture is like how it looks amazing in this suit. But mm-hmm. then they, for you, it's like it's the ongoing pressure now to maintain that aesthetic. Yeah. After someone's like, well, oh, I never saw you look as good as you did in that suit or as good as you did in your wedding day. And I think for a lot of people, it's kind of like a lot. of I mean, the, I, the entire cosmetic surgery industry is predicated on people chasing an aesthetic they would have been in it's like, years ago. It's like Dave bought us chocolates and a bit in my brain goes off and goes, well, you bring me fucking chocolates for me. I'm trying to be fucking healthy and be thin. So I like myself, you know, I'll eat them. I'll give some to my son, but I'll eat them. Uh, but you know, and, and like, wife. And I've got a wife. She doesn't. Yeah, maybe she'll have one. Uh, <laughs> but it is a it is a daily challenge, and I think you know, I would genuinely say, Dave, it's you know, for you to come on the show has actually been uh, quite useful for my well being because I actually don't think I've ever conversed with anyone about it who knows what I'm talking about, which is weird. Like, I you should have found someone in forty years who's been through some kind of male deceiving order. Oh no, I would, I, I've I, never I, never met anyone. That's not the case. You're the only person I've ever met. It's not the case at all, man. It's, it's, yeah. kind of, it's, it's, it's uh, I, I feel like it's Dave's my. It's, first. Like, it's like Dave. It's, it's like Dave said the first question. People attribute like a certain level of uh, of uh, I suppose being morose and uh, boredom and discussing mm. negative aspects of the spectrum of mental health and like I said, with dysmorphia. And I, I think also it's important to take into account that, like how much mental health is affected by suggestion. Mm. And, mm. Uh, you know, I think we, there should definitely be practices of learning, letting, helping people to process suggestion, yeah. especially now where you've got the wild west of digital media, where mm. the regulations that exist, where, you know, TV will tell you, you don't try this at home. Or if you're looking at a hair product, they have to, they're obliged to tell you by Ofcom if someone's yeah. using hair extensions. And a lot of yeah, yeah. So if you look at like a shampoo <laughs> advert, like a one with Cheryl Cole, it has to say if the uh, models wear an extension, hair extensions. Because if you're telling women that you could, your hair will get yeah, this yeah. kind of volume and stuff like that, and it's like it's not even her hair, hmm. like, you know, 
there's going to be an issue of mental health. But that, but that has come from a collective discourse yeah. and campaigning to make sure that these companies, when they're suggesting an aesthetic to women, are held accountable. And I feel like the same needs to be done of men where, you know, a, the side of suggesting to men what makes them affable to women and other people in general and obviously encouraging them to not be vocal about issues of mental health. Need We're going to gonna run out of um, well. time not to hear your question, Dan. And I want to hear I, your question. I, I, I quickly, just yeah. really quickly, I think, like if anyone has been affected, I think it's really important to say Beat is the UK's eating disorder charity and their website's beatingdisorders.org.uk. There's also one called Feast and there's one called Male EDs, mm. Men Get EDs too, as well as the UK's biggest mental health database called The Hub of Hope, mm-hmm. which is an app or a website that uses your device's geolocation to pinpoint anything to do with mental health so i realize like as a lot of the time when people listen to this they might want to get checked out more props to you and i think that's good i guess it just really helps my question which i wanted to keep very relatively simple was that uh as i said i was 21 by the time the first time i heard a man had an eating disorder um obviously i don't learned very recently about howard's issues as well i've heard whispers of other than yourself and other comics who may be experiencing it and i imagine those comics probably wouldn't be forthright and talking to me about it I'm not sure if they necessarily think it's empathy or it could be that they don't maybe aren't aware of it or in denial about it themselves. But in any case, if you are listening, I hope uh, you uh, feel comfortable enough to know that you are cared for and valued and can discuss it with myself or anybody you anybody you uh, trust at some point. Um, but yeah, I guess I just want to know basically the stats in terms of like how serious an issue is eating disorders amongst men, particularly I just don't, I'm going to leave it out, but, but I think that a lot of the time, like I said, that cisgender heterosexual men is something that was not discussed at all. And I just want to know, like, how serious is the issues of eating disorders and other aspects of body dysmorphia amongst men, like with the numbers and stats? Because I feel like most people don't really, because even when you said that, like, anorexia is one of the leading catalysts for suicide. Mm. Uh, I didn't even know that. Well, it's got the highest, so anorexia itself has got the highest mortality event of any mental health mm. issue. However, here's something interesting. It only makes up for 10% of eating disorders. Hmm. Um, bulimia is about 40% of eating disorders. And what's interesting about bulimia is that it's about a 50-50 split of men and women. Mm. And there's loads of people that are quite notable that have talked about it. People like Elton John, people like Russell Brand, Zayn Malik, mm. Caleb Followill, the guy from Kings of Leon. It's about 50-50 split of men, women with uh, bulimia. But half of all eating disorders are one that most people have never heard of. And it's called OSFED, which stands for Otherwise Specified Feeding and Eating Disorder. Hmm. And again, that's like a 50-50 split of men and women. And what OSFED actually is, is just people that don't really fit into the other categories, such as like binge eating disorder, Mm -hmm. such as, you know, sort of there are certain people who won't let certain food groups touch that have certain food rituals. And again, Mm -hmm. that's a 50-50 percent split they reckon that anorexia could be anywhere between 10 and 25 percent of uh like blokes so 10 to 25 percent of people with anorexia identify as male but the and research it, is just not out there and does it stand to reason as well because i think when people even consider anorexia i think in the case of of because people see it discussed maybe among, amongst women a lot more i don't think it's as straightforward as just people are skipping meals yeah it's like it could be substitute stuff like because you know you hear about rock stars and stuff and you're like the dude didn't eat the whole tour and stuff like that. All he did was like do coke and other stuff. Like that can't be too far off if you're substituting like food nourishment via food with like a drug that is like an appetite suppressant or, you know, yeah. Something that people don't talk about that like, so there's in research, there's this weird kind of thing of you've got anorexia, anorexia restrictive or anorexia binge. And like, I used to binge loads. On mm. I would like say I'd train for like a marathon and then like a holiday would come around and I would just eat and like not even swallow things. I just like gulp them all down. And, and that is very common for people with anorexia and not feeling good enough at it, not a feeling like that they are the best. And it's quite a competitive thing as, as is bulimia as well. And, also it's worth saying as well that bulimia doesn't even have to be throwing up it can be getting rid of food in other Uh, ways uh, people take laxatives a lot of the time as well don't they so there's loads of different it's kind of entwined but i think the the broad range of thing is using food to cope Mm. and what's really interesting you talk about comics i won't mention but i was living with someone at the end of a fridge like three or four years ago now and i remember they came home with some fish and chips and uh while they did that were on delivery and ordering a pizza and said oh, i'm gonna get a pizza and then as the pizza arrived they ordered a, a curry and said i'm getting a curry do you want one and i, I had to be really really cl- careful and i sort of said like mate like i'm not having a go like you do you that's quite a lot of 
food that you've had, is everything all right? And he went, no, it's not all right. I've had a terrible day. And I was like, mm. oh, and he was like, just eat my feelings, isn't it? And yeah. that, that person would never in a million years see that as an eating disorder. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's such a, and that's a good point. Cause it, it, it's the second part of the question is, are there clear signs? Because I, I think, I mm. think again, men themselves probably would serve us to be able to identify these uh, traits amongst other men. Because I think, eating my feelings is probably something I've heard a lot of the time and maybe not probed that much from people because someone might have it, having a bad day, brother, is going to have like some box of donuts. Like, you know, you get you hmm. ten, 10 for a pound at Tesco, but you know what I mean? And it's, oh, I'm, like a cheat day. But I might think because they go to the gym, it's like a cheat day. So I won't probe it too much, but I'm just hoping that are there, are there signs that I should probably be interrogating a lot more? Like, because they said eating my feelings, like something I've heard guys say before or, you know. it's, it's difficult because there, there are many things like secrecy, rituals around food, avoiding social situations. And then for things like anorexia, quite dry skin, mm. for bulimia, calluses on the back of the hands, drinking a lot of coffee, chewing a lot of chewing gum, mm. possibly taking things such as laxatives, etc. But I think the biggest thing is... Um, of actually sort of how people respond. So I, I always use this analogy. I had two people when I went to university and they were both been drinking a lot, like caning it. Mm. And I remember when we went to my first mate, I was like, mate, like I'm not having a go, but like you, you seem to have been drinking quite a lot. Um, is everything all right? And he was like, oh, really? Like, well, I suppose it has been Christmas. And, but like, yeah, I suppose fair point. I'm, yeah. I probably do like dry January or something. Fair, fair point. We approach another Because you can sleep, walk into it. Because I, I, yeah. I, 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 only in reflection, I realised that I became an alcoholic when I first started doing comedy. Did you? And and cause it, but to me, it was like maybe more high functioning because it was like, mm. like I said, it was like, I've got to do a gig. I'm all the way in North London or, or across town. I don't really got, have money to go out on a weekend anyway. So what I do, instead of going out on a Saturday, hang out with the comics again, I don't drink before the gig because I've got a concert on my set. But once I get home, I can have a little drink and reward myself because I don't get to go out really. So you said the fucked up money. adrenaline element. Yeah, I'm all, I'm also, yeah, I'm also trying to come down from the adrenaline and stuff as well. Yeah. So, and then it didn't hit me when like I was in, and my dad's like, Hey, what the fuck is wrong with you? I'm like, what do you mean what the fuck is wrong with you? He's like, you've gone through half a bottle of vodka in a week. Yeah, that's... And I didn't realise. It wasn't like... How I did you it. react to it? At first, I was like... And I was like, really? He's <laughs> like, not only that, there's a bottle of rum that's 150 proof that you've done half of that bottle. So when they start adding it up, because you, you start doing stuff like, oh, I'll take a little bit of this bottle. Then I'll mm. take a little bit of this bottle. No one even drinks this thing. So when it... Cumulative, when I add it up, I'm like... You drink every day when you come home from a gig and you're going through it, like at least doing like, you do maybe four doubles a day. Mm, yeah. So it's, it's still high functioning, but it's like, like I said, it's, am I using this to cope? Yeah. But it's also like that second mate that we approached and said, like, look, you've been drinking a lot, got really aggressive. Like, mm. you drink, you you take me. Like, what are you yeah, on? Yeah. And, and I do think if you, you know, sort of approach someone in a nice way and go like, look, have you thought, I think if people do have a healthy relationship with food, they'll be like, oh, I didn't when, notice that. When yeah. you were working on the, the book, uh, you, you, I assume, spoke to a, a few people? Or, uh, oh, loads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what kind of, were there any particular kind of case studies that you thought, God, this was really eye-opening? I think there's, there's loads. One of the things, and I think I really wanted to say specifically this to you, is it's amazing how when you're vulnerable with people, 99 times out of 100, because you can never account for everyone, people just instantly relay that back. Mm. And it's amazing how many bodybuilder, skinhead, tattooed blokes will come up to me after shows and go, I actually really struggle with bulimia Mm. or I struggle with binge eating. And I think there have been so many different people that I've been lucky enough to meet but the one thing that always has kind of come out is how like everyone always talks about how there is that humor in there. Never forget, I talked to this one um, mother who sort of said she'd never, she couldn't speak to her daughter about this. Mm. And her daughter was inpatiented. I couldn't really speak to my mom and dad about it that much. And um, she was in this inpatient unit. And one of the things about restrictive eating disorders is a lot of exercise to try and burn off anything. Yeah, yeah. She was on the bottom floor and she used to kind of jump, do star jumps quite a lot. And her mum was in there and she was kind of like, didn't really know what was going on. And her daughter was thinking about going to the toilet. And she was like, she was just sitting there in bed. And she said, mom, I'm going to, I'm going to jump. I'm going to jump. And her mum was like, 
well, you're on the ground floor. It's not going to go anywhere. Mm. And they both kind of realized that they were talking cross purposes <laughs> and they laughed yeah. at the kind of miscommunication. They said that that moment really brought them so much closer. Mm. And I think those little, I think there's loads of people that have shared their kind of stories, but I think the overarching thing is how many people are genuinely have even the smallest insight into it and yeah. would but not be as judgmental. I mean, I don't know how the, Fuck, I talk and explain all of this. She knows something about it. My neurotic 70 plus Jewish mother whose life mission is to feed as many people as humanly possible with as much food as she can. Uh, that's certainly not her fault in any way, but but it is a funny it is a funny element to it's also it. A learned yeah. behavior of herself, man. She's yeah. probably she's probably privy to you know people relaying historical traumas and stuff like that to her as well. And, yeah. you know, given the Jewish background, I yeah. imagine that like starvation yeah. and famine have been like Huge. cornerstones of the traumas or collective. Well, that's how we uh, got, traumas. we got, we kept going through those deserts. Right. So, so for <laughs> her to. And continents. So, so and every her, bit of the world. Right, exactly. Really. So for her yeah. to learn, the first thing you need is like a, a meal on your belly. Yeah. Makes perfect sense. Of, and also it's like, you know, I think food is one of the most healthiest and organic ways to medicate yourself. Like yeah. a lot of, or most of your uh, issues start in the gut as well. So. It is a drug. Yeah. Because the definition absolutely. of a drug is something that changes how your body yeah. absolutely and food and drink is a drug. Well, it has been a, a, a I've really enjoyed uh, the episode Me today. Uh, I've, I've, you know, it's felt, felt good. I, and, feel, I feel good and vindicated. I told you he was a great, a lovely man. Yeah. No, he so. was a lovely man. He has said nothing offensive uh, in any way. Uh, for the but it's <laughs> so, but um, I'd like you to continue as your normal self, Dave. Thank you very much, Thank first of all, you. for being a guest. We're lovely to see you. Um, please, could you tell our listeners and viewers where they can find out about your good works, past, present, and future? Uh, well, I hate doing this. So I have got a book out. Uh, Don't hate got, doing it, man. Oh, I hate Don't, it. Whoop, whoops, Even. So much. Yeah. That's, <laughs> the line <laughs> fell off the wall. It was uh, so disgusted. At the, so the yeah. book's called... I originally wanted to call the book, because uh, it's about anorexia, I wanted to call it The Real Hunger Games. But apparently... <laughs> I thought that was a good time. But That's apparently, at Fringe's copyrights is called yeah, yeah. Weight Expectations, and I'm working on because a... he never copyrighted any of this <laughs> shit. <laughs> it's out of copyright. Yeah. It's oh, 100. Shit. Yeah, yeah, no, that's it. 100 years. That's out of copyright. So that was why we got away with it. And I'm also working on a comedy course aimed at people with eating disorders and mental health problems to teach them stand up to give them mm. those communication skills. Nice. And I'm working well, with King's College London, University of Nottingham, University of Bristol, Manchester, and University of Kent. And it's called ComedyForCoping.com, and all of the preliminary research is out in a couple of weeks and then it's going to be peer reviewed so it's very exciting amazing times. and also uh, that sounds amazing and uh yeah thank you uh thank you. on a humanitarian basis for that good work could you just please remind our listeners uh, about the uh disorder eating disorder charities in case they didn't hear the first time round great shout so a couple beat is the uk's eating disorder website beatingdisorders.org.uk they've got helplines they've got emails they've got web support not only for people with eating disorders but for siblings and also for carers as well and then you've got the uk's biggest mental health database which is called the hub of hope absolutely free to download and the the sort of silly joke i always tell is it's, it's like the just eat of mental health services very ironic for a former anorexic to say <laughs> but it, it uses it pulls everything whether that's nhs private community support all together it's the biggest mental health database of its kind in the entire united kingdom mm. so if anyone's struggling with anything those are your two big ports of called as well as the mental health foundation mind and other regional charities as well lovely stuff thank you very much uh, Thanks, man. Well, oh i should say as well oh. if anyone's down in guildford i've just been made pa patron of a charity called oakleaf which is really good because it helps people that are struggling to get back into work so guildford gang check that out and check out all good things uh dave chorna and the book when it comes out as well we would love a copy here at dbqe as well i think it'd be very interesting and very informative torture bear love to see you He's Great. pulling out a book. He's putting, he carries it around. <gasps> no way. There you go. Oh, thank you I very much. No. Howard, you can go first. Thanks, man. <laughs> Dave, Chow Chow Bear. It's thank always you. good to see you. Love you, man. And thank you very much for coming on the show. You've been listening to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything, hosted by Dane Baptiste and myself, Howard Cohen. For more from Dane and myself, make sure you follow us on Instagram at DaneSnapTeast and at the Howard Cohen. You can now support us on Patreon. Just search DBQE Podcast and unlock ad-free content and you can watch the full-length video of the podcast. Please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. If you have a question for Dane, make sure you send us a DM on Instagram at DBQE Podcast and we could feature you in our next episode. Thanks for listening, guys. And remember, question everything. 
in Fantasy Group.